We have a hell of a show today. Yes, we do. Um, for those of you that don't know and couldn't tell from the thumbnail or the title, uh, this entire episode, other than the box office at the end, can't go without the box office, is going to be in regard to the uh, SAG strike along with the WGA strike that's still been ongoing, as we've reported here on the show. Uh, that's it. We're going to do a dive into uh, why SAG is striking, kind of go into some of the talking points as to what caused it, and kind of some external factors as to how this all happened with two unions striking at the same time, which hasn't happened since 1960, I believe. Jeez. Yeah. Last time it happened, Ronald Reagan was president of SAG. So will Fran Drescher be president? That, yeah. If history repeats itself. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> 1960. Ronald Ray, holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot to it's a lot to to wrap it's a lot around. to unpack. But first off, um, yeah. let's kind of address how we're gonna handle the SAG strike because mm-hmm. people are. I have people asking me like, you know, what are you guys allowed to to do really? Because it's it's a tough line to, to cross there. Mm-hmm. And while none of us are members of SAG, we do act in short films. We're a production company first and foremost. We make films and short films and. Obviously, during the SAG, during the SAG strike, we're not going to be starting writing because the writer strike as well, or any production on any new short films at all. We have three that have already been shot and are in the editing phase. We'll just continue to work on those, but we will not be promoting those in solidarity with the uh, writers and SAG strike because we don't want to promote anything where we can't have the cast and everybody promote it with us. That would just be arbitrary and kind of leaving them out. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also not going to be doing any promotions in any way shape or form not that we were getting promotions before but um any promotion in regards to anything that is being struck um we will also not be attending early movie screenings that are free or not for the public to buy a ticket to and because of that we will also not be releasing early movie reviews because that counts as promotion Mm -hmm. if you do a movie review before a movie is released to the public um we will be doing reviews after movies come out because that's public discourse at that point, and that's what we normally do anyway. But uh, we will not be. We also um, on the channel, you may have seen that we've done interviews with actors and and musicians before. Uh, we are not going to be doing any interviews during this time mm-hmm. either. And um, from what I understand, from the things I've seen from the SAG after press release, um, everything else that we do in regard to bringing you guys news and box office and movie reviews after movies been released from what I understand, is not violating anything, and I'm not scabbing in any way. I have a lot of friends in SAG-AFTRA, and I have a lot of viewers who will probably also know. If I am misinterpreting that, or if you can point me in the direction of saying that something we are doing is in violation of that strike, please reach out to me. Please comment in the video, and I will gladly take a look and make sure that I'm we're not doing anything wrong, because that's the last thing we want to do, yeah. is something wrong. If- we have to cease just everything yep, then, just, obviously. You know, we have yeah. to look into that. But from the research I've done and from looking at the press release from SAG, it appears that everything that we're doing, with the exception of everything I just said, mm-hmm. uh, will be okay. So with that being okay. said, uh, let's talk about the SAG strike. Yes. Where to there, begin? Yeah, where to begin. So uh, there was an extension with the SAG deal to kind of get it um to july 12th because their contract expired i think two weeks before that Mm -hmm. and now what the actors have realized is the studios had no plan on reaching a deal they just wanted to get barbie and oppenheimer and all the summer movies promoted so that really pissed off the actors rightfully so and i should before we dive into this um we are very very on the sag after side here we're not fighting for the studios in any way shape or form on this yes. um you know and let, let's kind of dive into the, the two big things 
that the strike is about. The strike is about many things, and I'll read these ongoing. Yeah. But the two big ones are actually the same two big ones from the writer's strike, AI and residuals, specifically residuals for streaming. Mm Mm-hmm. We've now seen countless examples of people coming out and saying what they've been paid on in terms of residuals to kind of show how ridiculous it is in regard to streaming. A Star of Orange is the New Black. I forget the name of the actress. I believe it's Kamiko Glenn. I think you're right. Recently made a video showing that uh, she got a residual check for Netflix for being in multiple, several episodes of Orange is the New Black. I think she was like part of the main ensemble. Yeah, and her residual check was like less than $30. Yes. You have the writer of the Daredevil episode of She-Hulk. Their best episode. Yes, <laughs> saying that his residual check was $396. You know, just horrific shit in regard mm-hmm. to residuals. And um, when approached to the AM, AMTPT, I'm saying that wrong, but the, we're going to call them the producers. Mm-hmm. When approaching them to offer up, hey, this is what we kind of want our offering for residuals. They wanted 2% of all residuals for streaming to go to SAG, and then SAG determined based on the actors and the contracts and everything who gets the residuals. And they were going to do it through third-party companies who determine a show's value and network or net worth, excuse me, through social media, through um, chatter, through some other mm-hmm. signups like Saban and other companies that are not Saban. Uh, I forget the name of the company that tries to do streaming charts. Okay. And it's like, more well, we use these third-party companies to determine that 2% and go on. And the producers responded by saying, oh, well, those aren't reliable. You can't rely on those. So no, we're not going to do that. And then the actors were like, okay, well then can you release your numbers so that we know what it is and then we can do the 2%. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that either. So we can't use third party companies and you won't release your numbers. So just no residuals then is kind of where that came out to, which is absolute horseshit. Mm -hmm. In regard to AI, the big story that came out of this And by the way, a lot of this I'm pulling from Variety, Hollywood Reporter, and just other members of SAG saying this online. But the thing about the the trades, the trades are very pro-studio. Their relationships are with the studios, not with the actors. So you have to take a little bit of what they say with a grain of salt in regard to the strikes. Mm -hmm. For example, Variety did a whole thing. They did a whole article on, here's everything the producers offer to the actors. And had a whole list. And actors are going by one by one, kind of banking down like, no, that's not what was offered. No, that, you know. And then the the one that made the headlines, though, was there was one that said groundbreaking AI proposal. And the actors were like, oh, would you like to know what their groundbreaking AI (laughs) proposal was? It was to 3D scan a background actor, or also known as an extra, for their likeness, pay them for a day, and then reuse their likeness whenever they want because they own it through AI. And then when inquired, oh, and every time it's used, that actor will get residuals? Nah. No, $100 <laughs> just a, flat Just a fee. one-time payment, which is normally like 200 to $300 per day, and then they own them forever. And there was no language to determine when they own someone's likeness what that means. Mm-hmm. So basically, if I went on and I was an extra in you know, the Marvels, and they scanned me in, and they're like, all right, we own your likeness. Thank you for coming. That was for Disney. And then I went to Warner Brothers to be an extra in, you know, uh, Blue Beetle. They'd be like, oh, well, Disney owns your likeness. So, like, we can't use you. Yeah. So I just did background extra one thing, and then that's it. My career's over. And now when Marvel or Disney needs a background person, like an airport scene or whatever, you can see yourself. Yeah, with no, for no extra money. Walk by for free. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like, 
the, there was no language to protect that from being the case. Yeah. So it's like, what? How? In what way did you think like we were gonna love that? <laughs> like they came to him like, isn't this groundbreaking? And it's like, fuck no, it's not groundbreaking. Not You're out of your one. mind. Yeah. And then you have CEOs. I didn't expect Bob Iger's villain arc to start from all this. Yeah, ever since he came back after Chapek, I don't yeah. know what happened to him. He's been on something because he just renewed his own contract yeah. for um to through twenty twenty six. He hit that next tax bracket and was like, Oh, I get to play with the big boys now. Yeah. So he renewed his contract through twenty twenty six via Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on an interview and he basically said that, yeah, no, the things they're asking for is completely unreasonable. And it's like no, it isn't. Not like, even in the slightest. Like, it's very public what they're asking for. You yeah. know, basically, and, and here's the big thing, and I, I mentioned this with the writer strike as well, but it's just as relevant now with the actor strike. The streamers specifically, they're, they're the big culprits here. Mm-hmm. The streamers do not, under any circumstance, want to release their books for two reasons. Both are bad, and it's two, not reasons, scenarios. Mm-hmm. Either A, because what's going on, is the studio executives, like the Netflix CEOs and all them, are all getting bonuses and no one's getting residuals, writers, actors, anybody. So either, A, the shows are doing so well that they're hoarding all the money for themselves, bad, Mm -hmm. or scenario two, even worse, the shows are not doing as good as they say they're doing and they're still giving themselves bonuses. Yeah. Also bad. Like, horrible. And under no circumstance did they want to release those books and show people how much money they're keeping and not giving to the people who made the shows. You have the creator of Squid Game saying that, oh, um, yeah, I didn't really make money from it at all, really. Like, they paid me once, and then that was it. And it's like... Netflix's biggest show. show, Or one of their bigger shows. according to them, you know? And it's like, I'm surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if at some point some of the studios just start getting subpoenaed too because we've seen labor disputes before where the government has to get involved and if the government gets involved in this they're going to make them release their books oh yeah and that's going to change the game forever will the government get involved because um like just the movie industry as a whole is such a big money maker yeah for to to my i don't know the specifics of exactly what would require the government to get involved i don't know how long it would have to go on or whatever how much money would be lost but with this labor dispute with the ups labor dispute Eventually, if you keep getting these labor disputes, the government's going to be like, all right, what the fuck is happening here? And start mm-hmm. stepping in. And uh, it's not going to go well for anyone if it comes to that. And, you know, then you have the deadline article that came out of producers saying, in the middle of negotiations for SAG, saying, like, yeah, no, the goal with the writers is to wait until they start losing their apartments and homes. Yeah. What the fuck? It and it's like. The- shittiest thing to say yeah like horrible and, and it's just like they they clearly but that just goes to show they don't want to make a deal they want to force mm-hmm. the others into a deal they don't want to take and what it also shows is that they are afraid make no mistake the studios are afraid eventually they're going to lose money now will this take a while yes but what we're going to get to is to when the most recent earnings call comes out which is probably not going to be till around august or september and when there's no money involved, the shareholders are going to be like, make a fucking deal. Make a deal right now. This is ridiculous. Well, especially what you're seeing, at least with this summer. This summer's box office is awful. Yes. Terrible. These yes. big budget movies are not spent making all the money. any money back. They yes. are all in the red. Yes. And, and here's what pisses me the fuck off about that. The studios and Bob Iger's, the David Zaslav's, everybody, mm-hmm. are all saying... 
you know, you're striking at a really hard time for the industry right now. Like the, we're, we're trying to recover from COVID and things are not going financially well for anybody. And you're choosing this time to strike. That's really fucked up. Whose fault is it that it's doing so terribly? Like, like whose fault is it? It's yours. You spent $300 million on movies that you knew you were never going to make that money back. Mm -hmm. You spent $200 million on streaming shows. And then you made audiences, you trained them to stay home for streaming releases through the pandemic, whether it be the Warner Brothers HBO Max thing or the Pixar Disney thing. Like you set yourself up for failure and now you're like, you know, it's a really it's a really inconvenient time for you guys to be striking. Fuck you. You're the one that ruined it. You're putting two hundred and twenty million dollars into Secret Invasion yeah. on Disney Plus. Now, granted, I enjoyed the show, but like what the fuck? That yeah. does not need that big of a budget. Three hundred over three hundred million dollars on Indiana Jones five. Th- these do not need these big budgeted no, things. and like Netflix is spending $200 million on movies, like Gray Man was yeah. over $200 million. For no one to see it. Yeah. Or for it to be on do, streaming. Do you think that's going rev- to generate $200 million worth of signups because the Gray Man's going to be on Netflix? Absolutely no. not. No. Citadel on Amazon, I think it was around a $300 million price tag. Mm-hmm. $200 million maybe. What the fuck? It's insanity. And then they're like, you know, you guys really aren't asking for a lot. What do you mean? And here's the thing. SAG really helped the situation by striking because now the problem's more immediate. Because with the writers, studios have 30 years of scripts locked up that they've never made that they can start cranking out if the writers take too long. SAG, everything shuts down. Anything that was filming prior to the strike is now not filming. And originally, the UK was going to continue filming, but I've heard that they've now stopped Mm -hmm. in solidarity. Because I think House of the Dragon was still filming. UK is a different... Yeah. But now they've stopped. Shit. So... Listen, it's a whole fucking thing, and I, I'm going to pull up a Variety article now that breaks down specifically what um, is being broken down by what the actors were asking for. Mm-hmm. And again, take this with a grain of salt that it probably will be skewed towards in favor of the studio. Uh, streaming revenue share, which we mentioned. SAG wants 2% of the revenue for each show, which we talked about. Uh, pay increases overall. Um, the AMPTP, that's the, the thing. Uh, apparently offered some terms to SAG that were approved by the Directors Guild that included a 5% increase on, you know, basic minimums and everything. And the Directors Guild taking a deal kind of fucked the other ones because it's kind of a, well, the directors took this. We're not the fucking directors, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Artificial intelligence, again, another thing that we talked about with the whole likeness dispute. Ooh, this is another one. Self-taped auditions. I thought this was interesting. Uh, SAG wants the studios to make self-taped auditions less of a requirement because that became an industry standard during covid it only happened sometimes before that as like a pre-screening stage before you would go in and do auditions but now the studios realize they save all this money by making actors do self-tape auditions but they're making them do like 20 pages sometimes and it's like you can't let that be on the actor to like have the stuff to record themselves for 20 minutes like you're you're putting in favor people who pay who have more money yeah you know like We're other than up their production value whether if it was but if it was a standard audition that person could come in and you know do it in front of you better so basically they were what the the amtp offered an eight page limit um the sag after wanted five so that was one of the things that they were kind of working out before it went to shit um pension and health contributions obviously mm-hmm. are going to be a thing another interesting one actors access that is a website for casting um, the SAG AFTRA realized that they saw a pattern because there's different tiers of 
actors access that you can pay for. Okay. And they realized the higher tier you had, the more auditions you were getting. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we don't want the service to be the more you pay, the more auditions, the more jobs you get. That's not how it works. That's not the point of the, the paying the more money. Yeah. And the AMTP was kind of, they were also figuring out like a way to stop that preferential treatment based on money. Mm-hmm. Um, option periods for TV actors, background actors outside of Los Angeles and New York, basically just trying to get more protections for them outside of the two big cities that do them. And SAG-AFTRA also wanted to um, get some sort of money covering a performance capture. Not unreasonable things. Mm-mm. And, you know, but the two big ones still being AI and the um, streaming residuals. Yes. It's been a nightmare for that. Now, I'm going to go to an article that is over 10 years old. And the reason why I'm going to this is because it's funny how smart people in the industry can predict things happening. There's an old viral video from like 2003 or so of Ben Affleck predicting like Spotify and streaming shows. And if you've ever seen it, it's pretty interesting. Mm. But um, we've pointed out on the show today that what caused all of this, because like, listen, COVID, no one's fault mm-hmm. in regards to how it fucked up the industry, Right. What you do after that is on you. And the studios fucked up big time by overspending. Now, 10 years ago, uh, June 12th, 2013, so a little bit over 10 years ago, Steven Spielberg did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter and had this to say. I think eventually the Lincolns, in regard to his movie, will go away and they're going to be on television, as mine almost was. This was close to being an HBO thing. We're talking Lincoln, Red Tails. We barely got them into theaters. You're talking about Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, and they can't get their movies into a theater. This is George Lucas now talking. Mm -hmm. I got more people into Lincoln than you got into Red Tails, which Steven Spielberg added on. Uh, The pathway to get to theaters is just getting smaller and smaller, George Lucas. And um, basically, it was them, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, just saying 10 years ago, you know, this pathway is getting a lot smaller and things are getting more expensive. They, one of them went even on to describe the, quote, implosion of the film industry mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And here we fucking are. I think it would have been longer, but COVID kind of... Rushed it. Yeah. Just bumped it up and by like, what, five years. We're hitting a serious breaking point and yeah. bubble on this. And I just really hope that a deal can be made. It, it's looking like a deal's not going to get made for actors or writers till like, October. I, saw, I see some people saying, like, oh, three to four weeks is the actor strike. I don't think so. I don't think so. It all, it all, it's all going to depend on when those quarterly reports come out, when yeah. those earnings calls come out, and when shareholders can be like, what the fuck? Because that's the only thing they're going to listen to is the people who have mm-hmm. stock in their companies. <sighs> I did a lot of talking there, Nicholas. Yes, you did. Uh, sorry about that. You're good. I'm, I mean, this, I'm hot. I'm hot about this. I, as you should be. Uh, your thoughts on the SAG after strike? I mean, I don't really have much to add outside of Everything you already said and talked about, I'm in full agreement and full support for both striking parties. It's just insane that it got to this point because it just seems like what they're offering, it just is so idiotic. Like, the, why would they think scanning someone for their like would be a good idea that someone would reasonably agree to? Yeah, like, aren't you guys excited? Like, yeah. No. <laughs> no, not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, using AI to write a script and then have a writer say, like, who in their right minds think this is a good idea? Mm-hmm. And just the residuals, the fact that, you know, I know Orange is the New Black was one of Netflix's biggest shows at the start, and one of the leads is making $27 in residuals. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are writing these Marvel shows that are 
you know, getting viewership, not as much as they would like, I'm sure, but are probably making less than someone who's writing on a sitcom on CBS or something because mm-hmm. the residual structure, because they don't have the numbers to back it up. It's yeah. just insane. It, ba- it basically became the actors and the writers being like, Hey, you should pay how residuals were when on network TV. Cause that was really beneficial and everyone enjoyed that. And studios are like, ah, but the reason why we like streaming is cause we don't have to pay you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I don't want to call out any shows or writers, but like, when you see, because I, I I do get like TikToks occasionally of like writers breaking down their residuals, and I'm seeing stuff for like sitcoms that are just not good mm-hmm. that are making more, and I'm like, and now granted, whether you not if you think She Hulk is good or not, but like the fact that it's like double, sometimes triple for it because a it has, Mar- it has that for a Marvel episode, and, yeah, yeah, like that's insane to me. That's just absolutely not fair. Mm-hmm. And now it, with um. Uh, uh, Netflix wants to add that ad tier platform and these streaming servers that have the ads on it are the writers of the ads are like how does that yeah. all yeah all work and, if they're not getting any of that and I've seen this argument too on the other side come out of like oh so you're telling me like the Tom Cruises and the Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world need more fuck off an overwhelming majority of SAG-AFTRA are not movie stars no it's people who do commercials for a living it's people who do little roles for a living I have many friends who do that mm-hmm. I have many colleagues who do that and their healthcare is relying on this. 87% yeah. of SAG doesn't qualify for healthcare because you need to make a minimum amount mm-hmm. to get there. Residuals for streaming is the make or break for some people on healthcare. Like, it is a very, very big, important deal. And a basic human right, if you ask me. Exactly, especially but. for an industry that's so competitive. Because yeah. for some reason, the, the, the studios still have the mindset of like, oh, well, you get to work on a, on a big Hollywood movie. Isn't that great? I've, like, people who've been in the industry for a long time are like, it's my job. Yeah, like, I'm like, just straight up like working. That's, this I'm is working my, here. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, this is great, and I love it. That's why I'm putting up with this shit. But, yeah. like, that, point, you can't yeah. pull that on me. You know, like, it's not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, it's really sad. No, and all these actors that have left, like, that is solely in solidarity with the rest of SAG, as it should be, which mm-hmm. is the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, because, like you just pointed out, the DiCaprios, and they don't, they're not affected by this. They're... You know, but it's all in solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Well, it's a shit show. The whole thing is a shit show. whole thing is a shit show. We're going to, whenever we hear news about the strike, we'll let you guys know about yeah. it. Uh, in the meantime, on the show, we're going to do is whatever movie news we can and bring it to the box office. And we're not going to do movie reviews before they're released to the public. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, SAG After Friends, colleagues, if I'm doing anything wrong or if I'm misinterpreting the SAG After press release, let me know and I will take action. But with that, with the heat down, let's yeah. make it lighter and let's move on to the box office. The box office. If I don't say it like that, I'm going to die. <laughs> Nick, I'm telling you right now, I don't think we've ever been more wrong. Oh, boy. I'm trying to pull up our thing here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Dalton, last week you had Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Insidious 5, Indiana Jones, Spider-Verse, Joyride. I had Mission Impossible, Insidious, Indiana Jones, um, Sound, uh, Sound of Freedom, and Elemental. Very cool. Uh, we were obviously both wrong. Very wrong. Jesus. Uh, let's do this. Let's go on. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 came in first with a $56 million weekend. It did open earlier in the week, so it made has made more than that now, okay. but that was the weekend number. Coming in number two. With a 37% increase from week one, Sound of Freedom. 
making $27 million last weekend. It did open in 313 more theaters, but that does not warrant a 37% increase. That's word of mouth. $27 million. Yes. Okay. Uh, I stupidly, last week on the show, said, everyone who watched that movie seen it already. Fucking, I was so wrong. Apparently not. Uh, Third, Insidious, The Red Door, making another $13 million. Dropped 61%, slightly below average. Coming in fourth, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, making another $12 million. And coming in fifth, Elemental, staying in the top five, making another $8.7 million. Uh, and these are the Sunday estimates. Yes. Joyride uh, took an average drop 56%, and it came in ninth. Oof. Yeah, so let's... Damn. Very let's, funny movie. Go see Joyride. Yes. Let's dive into this, shall we? Let's do it. Mission Impossible so far worldwide has made $235 million mm-hmm. on a budget of about two ninety. Yikes! Uh, it's made about .8 times its budget back. Uh, but we'll see as it continues to roll out and play out. I don't suspect it taking as big a drops as some of these other big Hollywood films taking because the word of mouth on this has been very positive. Yes, but next week we got Barbenheimer. Yes. And I suspect Mission Impossible to be third. Yes, because I also think like I think that people really are going to be double featuring or like yeah. Thursday, Friday, Friday, Sat, you know, some combination yeah. of the two that I think Mission Impossible might just get kicked to the wayside unless someone wants to see it and not go with the crowds. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Sound of Freedom now has a, a domestic box of total of $85 million on a budget of, I think it was like 15 mm-hmm. Make no mistake, this is a huge success for the studio. I still have not seen it yet. I had some friends watch it who are outside of the typical target audience, mm-hmm. and they said the movie's good. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to go watch it. I, I feel like it really is just this aspect of the the religious studio behind yeah. it. And, and, and marketing the, to an audience that yeah. hasn't been going to the movies. Mm-hmm. It's magic. What can yeah, happen when really you find is. new audiences? It, it's a huge success story for that movie and that studio. Insidious The Red Door has now made $122 million worldwide. And has made uh, 7.7 times his budget back. Good for Patrick Wilson. Go, Patrick Wilson. That's really all we care about with that story. Yeah, I still got to see the movie, too. I've heard it's not bad. No? I've heard several people say they enjoyed it. I saw, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, whether or not you rely on Rotten Tomatoes or not. But mm-hmm. I think the audience score was pretty high, and the critic one was not. But. Yeah, but they've never been that high for that franchise. And I love the first no, two No, yeah, films. we went through that last yeah. week. It was not really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones mm-hmm. has now passed $300 million worldwide. Congratulations. You've made back your production budget. Um, so that'll continue to end up being a money loser. But hey, it's had average drops both times. It's going to have more than an average drop next week with mm-hmm. Barbenheimer. But we'll see. And coming in fifth, dude, Elemental. Don't call it a comeback, guys. It has made over $311 million worldwide now. It has surpassed Creed Three. The Flash, obviously. And it's going to go on to probably be one of the highest earning movies at the box office this year. Mm-hmm. Granted, it did have that $200 million price tag. Yeah. So it's only made about 1.6 times the budget back. But it has stayed in that yeah. top five Profitability, and eh. Well, especially now we're getting to the point of it, that's just straight counter-programming. Yeah. That's, there's no other kid movie. I mean, the, the Kraken movie, but mm-hmm. P- you see Pixar, you're like, well, I'm yeah. going to go see the, the Pixar movie. Exactly. Um, Sp- Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. has now made $663 million worldwide. Fuck yeah. Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast has now made 420 Blaze it. And uh, it's Blaze it. will hopefully get a sequel. Please. Uh, no Hard Feelings has made $77 million worldwide on a budget of 45 at 1.7 times the budget back. It's going to teeter mm-hmm. profitability there. Uh, Joyride has made $10 million worldwide, which sucks. 
because it deserves more than that. Yes. It's going to end up being a money loser as well. I suspect both of these will do okay on streaming, though. Teenage Kraken has only made $30 million worldwide on a budget of 70 has made 0.4 times its budget back. Shame. And uh, let's do The Flash. Why not? Worldwide, $263 million. Um, domestic. It just crossed $100 million domestic. Mm. Not good. That's going to be one of the biggest money losers ever. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. There you have it. You know what? I'll do Asteroid City and Little Mermaid 2. Asteroid City's made $41 million. All right. Go Wes Anderson. And uh, Little Mermaid has made $546 million. Do you know what Wes Anderson's highest grossing movie is? No. All right. <laughs> Maybe it's Grand Budapest. Let's see. Right, Grand Budapest made $163 million worldwide. All right. That has to be it yep. by far. Yep. All right. So, yeah, Grand Budapest. Go Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do predictions for next week. And this is going to be fucking funny, oh, dude. Boy, hit me with it, Dalton. Uh, Barbie number one. Okay. Oppenheimer number two. Mission Impossible number three. I'm not going to doubt it out again. Sound of Freedom, number four. Insidious, number five. All right. I'm going to go Barbie. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible. You are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. Do you, do you, you, it's a three-hour, I guess, Mission Impossible. Do you know what it's tracking? Hour. No. What's it tracking? 50 million. Oppenheimer is? Yeah. <laughs> Watch it opens to eight. Oppenheimer. <laughs> Mission. I'll go. Let's see, Sound of Freedom made 13. And then 27. 27. 27. So 27. It increased 37% from last week. I will go sound and mm-hmm. I will go. Fuck it. I'll go elemental. Hey, listen, it's been in there. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm thinking, like, yeah. Is are Insidious and Indie gonna have huge drop offs that um Yeah Elemental might squeak in yeah. as the kids movie? You know, I'm thinking that there's a chance this might be the biggest money of total box office of the year. Because Barbie's probably gonna open north of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer's gonna make north of fifty. Mission's gonna make probably twenty five. Yeah. It's gonna be a good box office weekend. It sound had an increase, even if it has a fifty percent decrease off mm-hmm. of it. That's what still twenty seven, so like like thirteen, thirteen, yeah. and then everything else was thirteen, twelve, and eight. So that's another five million, most likely, yeah. roughly. It's not bad. Not bad at not all. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. We'll and see uh, just a reminder: next week's show will be virtual because I will be in San Diego for Comic Con, and um, I was going to do some content, but uh, that would be kind of be promoting for the studio, so I will not be doing that. And with that all down, um, I I think that's all we have for the show. Yep. So tune in next week. We'll be virtual. Uh, so our reviews for Barbie and Oppenheimer will, will also, also be, be virtual. virtual. Yes. Um, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, please uh, support WGA and SAG. Uh, there are many organizations where you can donate to some of the struggling people who are striking. Please look into that. And uh, I've been Dalton Burdett. I've been Nick Arcchio. And we'll see you next time. Uh,